I'm Jessica Peresta, host of the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. You're listening to the Ed Curation Podcast. We bring you stories from educational leaders about the instructional resources, practices, and movements that are reshaping learning. I've had at least 15 students who have increased more than four grade levels. He used theater as a tool to make great human beings. My expectations are high for all of them. One of the things that I really love about teaching is the fact that every day is sort of unique and different and strange. Hola. Bonjour. Ni hao. In 2010, there were roughly 240,000 job postings aimed at bilingual workers. By 2015, that figure had ballooned to approximately 630,000 and has continued to climb annually. U.S. Department of Labor reported a 42% growth between 2010 and 2020 in jobs requiring foreign language fluency. Prior to 2015, 60% of the job posts for bilinguals were for unskilled or non-degreed positions, whereas since 2015, there has been a growing demand for bilingual white-collar job openings like financial managers, editors, industrial engineers, and of course, healthcare workers and educators. The jobs are there, but the applicants aren't, at least not within our borders. Only about 20% of K-12 students in the U.S. study a foreign language at all, compared to an average 92% throughout Europe. This despite the mountain range of research extolling the benefits of learning a second language, all of which we will be discussing in this episode with Mary Beth Cunot, the principal of Spectrum Progressive School in Rockford, Illinois. We're this little teeny tiny enterprise here that really can't afford world language teachers. And it's, yeah. I just, we, we, we gotta, we gotta do it. I asked Mary Beth to share a little about her school and her journey as an educator. And here's what she said. I kind of want to talk about my passion for Spanish first. Okay. I fell deeply, deeply in love with Spanish early in high school, and I absolutely was determined to be fluent. So, you know, I have since, you know, I took it through college and stuff, and my first year of teaching was actually the Dominican Republic, where, you know, I was able to develop some real fluency, and I've tried to stay fluent by being the one who can translate and interact with uh, Spanish-speaking families and um, Spanish-speaking students and just keep it going. So I've worked very hard to keep Spanish alive in my life in every context that I can. And so having having Spanish available as a learning opportunity is just a high, high priority for me. Between the Dominican Republic and becoming the principal at Spectrum Progressive School, Mary Beth taught for many years in Chicago Public Schools and the Archdiocese of Chicago, which included the International Baccalaureate Program. This program places a high value on global citizenship. The more you are able to communicate in a variety of ways, whether it's sign language or a different language or through art or music or through, like, especially through uh, knowing multiple languages, I think 
the more we can secure a better future for our children and for the planet. You know, it just feels to me like a no-brainer. After leaving that program, Mary Beth became the principal of Spectrum, which is a very small progressive school. They have no grades and no grade levels, opting for multi-age classrooms. The learning is project-based and inquiry-based. It's incredibly rich learning where the joy in learning and the fun in learning is the, the top priority, the relationships, the connections. But they did not have any world language program of note when I came here. So I wrote grants. And I got going with all kinds of different efforts my first year here. And then I took on some Spanish, you know, cohorts. We tried to create it as an elective. Mm-hmm. But to, to be able to really teach a language, you need that preparation time. You need consistent time across the board. You need that consistency in that time. So that, that first year, there were just a lot of learning curves about what does and doesn't work. Last year, I just taught Spanish to the middle school. I had a block of Spanish three times a week with the entire middle school. Okay. But planning for that, organizing for that, making it, having academic relevancy, you know, on top of being a principal, it just felt like I, I can't, I can't keep, I can't give it the quality that it deserves. It won't surprise you to hear that Mary Beth is involved in many circles of educational leadership and innovations. And in the course of her networking, she discovered a program called Meg Languages that seemed like the perfect solution. Rather than just a language curriculum, Meg actually provides live online class lessons with professional teachers in Latin America and China. The live lessons are the cornerstone of the program, which also includes the student-facing curriculum resources online. For schools with world language teachers, this is a great supplement. But for those unable to provide a world language teacher, this alleviates the necessity while adding the advantage of a multicultural experience and a global connection. It's an absolute fantastic program in that the platform itself has a repetition of the lessons that they've received live from some teacher. So they get to see that again, but then they also get to see the video cards or excuse me, the vocabulary cards, and they get to see the cultural challenges and they get to try and construct sentences. And there's lots of games and quizzes with which they're interacting. You know, the kids here, even though we're not a test focused school, when they get on and they take those tests with uh, on the Meg platform, it matters to them, you know, that they're passing those tests and, so Meg actually fills in that gap of not having, you know, a, a Spanish teacher, but, you know, but I still get to have my hand in, which is what I love. I love being able to converse with Liz in Spanish as we're kind of getting organized and mm-hmm. I get to model this interaction for them with her. So, and then there's also some times in which her pronunciation of English is just a little off or she doesn't know this word or we're exchanging these things together in a way that feels so amazing. And what I've learned about Colombia myself, I mean, I become, Colombia has become my passion being able to connect with this woman in Colombia twice a week. I never knew what a rich and amazing and diverse habitats and environmentally and culturally, technologically, Colombia is just this amazing, amazing country. And, uh, and I'm just, it's just exciting to keep learning and to learn along with the kids. Yeah. So it's not just language study. 
it also sounds like it's, you know, multicultural studies and geography is in there. And definitely this idea of global citizenship and some of those standards are being addressed. Mm -hmm. Um, I can imagine that there are a number of schools and districts in the same situation, unable to provide a a world language teacher or teachers um, either because of staffing shortages or just budget, or it's just not something that their school is able to, to offer at this point and would love to be able to. And so this program gives them a way to do that. They prefer that you have one computer in the Zoom instead of all these separate computers because okay. you lose some quality connection that way. Yeah. So that, that there needs to be somebody in the room responsible to run the technology to make yeah. sure the phone call happens. So okay. that's, that could be in an older situation. It could be an older student. But what's yeah. really nice is someone who's just going to make sure that the, the, the classroom culture is such that the lessons move forward. You don't have to speak Spanish to do that because she's constantly translating what she's saying in Spanish into English. And so the kids know what to expect. She'll slow it down. She'll repeat. And um, so it's a matter of having someone who can just keep the lesson moving forward in partnership with the person who's virtual. Mary Beth invited two of her students to join us and tell us a little about their experience learning Spanish with Meg. This is Salem and Demi. It's really fun because we get a chance to interact with like with her and learn more about culture. Where is she at? Colombia. We've always done online programs for Spanish. And this one is special because of the way we get to actually talk to someone who is an expert on the language. She yeah. plays um, videos about like festivals and parties and houses and stuff that are in Colombia. culture, yeah. yeah. And all throughout South America, right? You've seen stuff in Argentina, you've seen stuff in Ecuador. I mean, you get to see a real sense of what the Spanish-speaking world is like very broadly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you guys feel like having that experience of of meeting with somebody who's actually from a Spanish-speaking country and then learning a little bit about the geography and culture of that part of the world, is it, does it motivate you to want to learn Spanish more so that you could maybe go to some of those places? Yeah, I mean, from like other online resources, you don't get the same experience as someone who like knows the culture. The relationship see, they built with her is really pretty remarkable. She really loves them and most of them really like her a lot. I heard the girls say again and again, that getting to know Liz and having this relationship with Liz is what has really differentiated yes. the program for them versus an online platform, which may be very well designed and put together, but you don't have a relationship with a real person. You don't have somebody listening to your pronunciation on a, you know, some kind of virtual platform. How would you nutshell this program for somebody listening? I would say it's got Two key approaches. One is the platform on which there is lessons and reviews and and assignments for the academic side. And then one is the virtual experience with the the teacher. It's it's in time. It's in real time. time. So you get to have this live interaction with a person who's a native Spanish speaker, who's not just bringing the language lessons, but is bringing a whole sense of 
cultural awareness, like even just talking about bread and her experience of bread and to realize, hey, they have a whole different kind of experience of bread than, you know, just even telling the stories and sharing her day to day, like she had a big parade going out outside her window and like realizing that for the most part, people in the world are not that different. Getting to see inside her universe and her world is so significant because it just creates it just takes us a little bit level away from that ethnocentrism that we all often walk around with. Yeah. So, so as a platform, Meg provides both that live person who's invested in listening and paying attention and sharing, and then the ver- the digital platform in which kids can take that live lesson and kind of repeat it and practice it and do that language skills. And I just have to say, because I got to give my credit, I am really, really impressed with the scaffolding of how what they teach initially might just be a bunch of nouns, right? And then they bring in numbers and then they might bring in dates. But what they're doing is they're actually doing real world and real conversational Spanish. It's none of this artificial dialogue. It's none of this stuff that has no context. For instance, yesterday's lesson, they had to pick up a masculine pronoun and they had to pick a third, a present tense verb, and they have to pick a day of the week and they have to pick where something happens. And they had to try and pick a family member. Well, these are like, these are things you really are going to be communicating. And I'm looking at this sentence structure going, wow, there's a lot of grammar packed into this expectation. And we're, you know, it's April. We've been at this since September, but a tremendous amount of, of language complexity is being built into the ask of when they're doing dialogues and when they're practicing. Okay. And they, they just keep scaffolding what they've already learned into what they're doing next. Mm-hmm. And I find that a brilliant way to, to learn Spanish in the real world with a real teacher. It's how we learn language, right? We don't learn our first language from a book. We learn it in life. Just to clarify, Mary Beth uses Meg with her middle schoolers, but Meg provides language studies to all grade bands, kindergarten through 12th grade. This allows elementary schools who don't often include world language as part of the curriculum to take advantage of the critical language learning period that happens between birth and age 10. Children who learn language during this time frame learn much faster, retain the language into adulthood, and often speak with near native pronunciation. It will never be that easy again. I think actually the younger, the more exciting it would be because they don't have all the same self-consciousness that we have. So, I mean, I don't think there is a too young. If I could afford it, I would want this to be school-wide. And I would, you know, and I I would want to hire someone with the capacity to just be the facilitator. And then I could step in whenever I wanted. Yeah. Um, So I'm planning on expanding it next year because I do have a little bit of this COVID emergency money I can use towards it. And like, even though we're a private school, we can use our Title IV funding because that's enrichment funding and you can use that towards world language. And you're doing it twice a week. Your mm-hmm. kiddos meet with, with Liz twice a week. But is it fairly flexible? So I'm imagining a school that says, well, we don't actually have a world language block. But if I could bring a teacher into my social studies class twice a week, I would love that. Or even once a week. Or if I could bring, you know, if I could do this as part of my advisory a couple times a week. Is it flexible that way? Well, I think that the Meg would be very flexible as long as you're consistent on the days and times that you're going to yeah, expect. You're working with a teacher. You're limited by the Zoom call. 
Meg would have to probably be pretty certain of what days and times you're going to have. Right. Teachers yeah. available. But it wouldn't, but a, a school wouldn't be constrained by like, I don't, I don't have a designated world language blog. No. Or I don't have, you know. I don't think so. I could, think that's a very intriguing question because in the moment, yeah. like that like, suggestion is making me think, oh, hmm, maybe, maybe we can have some flexibility. Well, and I wonder, it sounds like it could even be an uh, extracurricular, an after-school club, like Spanish club. You want to get as many kids benefiting from it as possible. True, right? true. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to overtax the teacher on the other end, but yeah. if you're going to invest in something like this as a school, you want to make sure to maximize the number of students that are benefiting. Who are benefiting. So now our students who are articulating middle school, this is a heavenly moment yesterday. I asked them, you know, how many of you would continue Japanese if it was an option next year, or would you rather go to Spanish? Five of the kids said both. They want both. Wow. Oh, me, that That's a mark of real like, yeah, this is, this is what I want. I want kids really, really interested in learning language and really understanding global citizenship. I asked Demi and Salem their favorite part of learning a language from a teacher in another country. Meg really gives us an opportunity to be like more interactive and hands-on instead of just like a book that tells you the verbs and stuff. What is your favorite part of it? The actually getting to talk to someone from does she make you talk a lot during the lessons yeah yeah which is fun I just like talking to someone as well because other platforms you just like take a quiz and that's what you get but with like interacting with someone you actually get to improve talk to someone about it and yeah learn more I asked Mary Beth about how student outcomes have changed as a result of MEG languages. If you talk about participation mm-hmm. of a group, um, to see students who are shy to even say another word out loud and they giggle, like I remember just the giggling, you know, and trying to say something out loud in front of other people. Mm-hmm. And this sense of confidence, you used the word confidence with the girls earlier, mm-hmm. their sense of poise and their sense of like, yeah, and it's, it's okay to not make it, right the first time you know sometimes they stare looking at spanish vowels and they're using english pronunciations and but it's there's an okay around that an okayness around making mistakes and recognizing that you know you don't have to feel so self-conscious saying these words out loud because we're all doing it so the, the sense of participation and definitely you know having the platform allow me to go in and see hey look at this child has just has finished their last quiz and they went from doing and digging in the 50s a couple months ago now they're in the 80s and the fact that there's a way to gauge that they're making that kind of growth on the platform is really useful and their attitude they don't groan about coming to spanish yeah you know they want to be there sometimes they just do review right from meg and that's the other thing is like you have the option as a teacher to go on the platform with everybody and just do the whole lesson again. And they've already done it once and then they've done it again. And now they're more comfortable with it because now they know where they're going. And that's always a a fabulous part of, of the platform and how it just always lines up. It's never a surprise. You know, this week we worked on days of the week and now we're going to go to that lesson and make it. We're going to have the same exact process of learning that particular vocabulary, that particular, you know, grammatical structure. Yeah. 
great. This is great. And it sounds like it's there's been maybe even a shift in your school culture as a whole around global citizenship and just I think so. I mean, I think we have more to do. This this is such a project-based, inquiry-based environmentalist context in this particular little tiny progressive school in Illinois. Mm-hmm. But but I think what is different than when I got here is it's not that this is going to be part of what you do. If you're at our school, you're going to be learning a world language. It is something that we're going to do. It's part of who we are to learn a language and to, to be focused on multiculturalism, to honor and respect diversity. Um, I think that learning a language strengthens that vision and that sense of expansiveness about humanity yeah. and culture. You know, you, it's yeah. just not an option. You got to do it. I can imagine that you're a little bit of an, an anomaly there in the middle of the Midwest. It's a very been a very interesting dynamic, but I'm definitely... It's still sad that people are surprised and shocked by I know. Uh, Caucasian uh, being fluent in Spanish. It, it's just like, why can't this be the norm? You know. I know. Why do we? Why do we not embrace that? Is it enhances it? It magnifies our capacity to communicate and connect with other people so and to understand other people. And this is the only thing that's going to help us move forward. You know, as a civilization, as human beings, as a country, we, you know, and I, I think there's a lot of ostensible lip service to this, like in the politics and kids have to take language in high school, they have to take language in college, but there's got to be a continued way of saying what, why, what does speaking another language do? It just, it just makes your life richer and yeah. more interesting. So there's actually quite a bit of data to take us even beyond richer and more interesting. Here's what the research shows. And for your reading pleasure, I've linked to all of these studies and articles in the episode notes. So first of all, bilingual people have bigger brains, as in more actual mass of gray matter. Babies and children exposed to multiple languages are smarter and more able to conceptualize ideas, perform better in their first language, and perform better on all standardized tests. And as I mentioned in the introduction, Bilingual people have significantly more employment opportunities and their jobs pay higher wages. MEG is essentially a turnkey program that can be offered at any grade level with any facilitator, making world language instruction available to any school. What about a school who already, who has world language? We have world language and we have world language teachers. Is there a place for MEG in a program like that? I mean, could it be used alongside an existing program as something supplemental that would really enrich that study? That's exactly right. I think having a native speaker in that, in a different country brings so, I mean, even if it was like a couple times a week or even a couple times a month where you get to have a culture study with some language, you know, applications, you know, watching that particular dance or, or seeing that particular sets of architecture, that particular wildlife, or, you know, having, I think Meg, the way they're doing it, you can have excursions, you know, yeah. you get to see a lot of the world through Meg, through the videos. And I think bringing that in, the, the thing that it would do is the Spanish teacher in that school wouldn't have to figure all that out and prepare all that. They right. could just tap into it and use it to supplement. I'm just thinking about what you were saying about teachers 
feeling burned out and unappreciated and just having too much on their plate. And this would actually be a resource that could take things off of a teacher's plate while at the same time providing enhanced instruction for the student. Yeah. And you know what I'm thinking right now, I've only seen the middle school, right? I've seen this particular thing. I don't know what the younger, I feel like it's always appropriate for middle school. They, they always tap into things, concepts and ideas and topics that are of interest to the age range of the kids in front of them. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sure that that is probably true at the high school level. And I'm sure it would be true at a younger level. It's hard to find good middle school teachers. Yeah. But somehow Meg, Meg understands what's appealing to kids in this age range. And so as long as that kept going, yeah, it would be a tremendous resource. Yeah. You know? Well, and, and the thing that's super important, I think, is that kids get so busy in high school and that if you haven't kind of planted those seeds prior to high school, this may not be something that makes the cut when they're trying to decide what to do with their electives or, you know, their extracurriculars. It foreign language doesn't always make the cut if it's not required. And honestly, we know that the best language learning years are early elementary. Right. You know, I do think, though, when you said earlier, like, it could be a really great after-school program to tap into somebody, you know, once a week. A summer school program. A lot of schools are looking now for great summer school programs. And if they don't have people who are qualified or who have the skills to teach world language, this would be an easy way to provide that during a summer school program. It would be. So good. So who would you recommend this resource? Well, definitely schools that are having a hard time staffing world language. Okay. Um, there's such an interest in learning Mandarin and Chinese. As, I mean, both, both languages of China. Um, people who are having a hard time finding that, if they want to offer that as an innovative option, as a necessary option in their context, smaller schools. Um, and, but then I'm, I, you've got my mind thinking, larger schools that want to enrich and supplement um, and, and be an extra resource for those world language teachers. It, it's a really, really good platform. Yeah. Um, easy enough to navigate, easy for teachers, easy for students, and always rich with all kinds of options and activities. It's very, very worthwhile. And I, I love this idea of, of having it supplement a social studies class or mm-hmm. a geography. Maybe you're just doing a geography unit and you want 10 weeks of getting to see all the geography of South America. I mean, yeah. you have that all right there instead of having to go hunt it down and create that unit that's very that's one of the reasons for me it helps me a lot i don't have to go hunting for content it's right there and i know it's good well and i'm so inspired mary beth by your can-do attitude that if this is something that's important to you there's always a way to to pay for it to make it happen um and honestly schools have a ton of flexibility right now with all of the COVID relief money Mm -hmm. Um, they can pretty much do almost whatever they want with it. So what better time to try? Use use your Title IV money, use your emergency relief money, get this in your schools, you won't regret it. You can connect to Meg Languages at edcuration.com. That's E-D-C-U-R-A-T-I-O-M.com. Search for Meg, M-E-G. To learn more about how to gift your students with Spanish or Mandarin, along with the global awareness and cultural connections that come with live instruction from a native speaker and teacher. 
You can also link to them in the episode notes. And here's what else you'll find in the episode notes. An online demonstration of Meg Languages in Action. A recent video from a Meg Partner School so you can hear firsthand experience from other educators like Mary Beth. All of the research about language learning, bilingualism, standardized testing, and neuroscience as it relates to second language acquisition, cited in the episode. You'll also find links to Ed Curation's free micro-professional learning explorations, one of which is led by Meg's own Lottie Dowling, focused on global citizenship. There's also a link to our Certified Ed Trustee program that allows you to try resources before you buy and to our blog and all of our other podcast episodes. We hope you found this episode helpful. And if so, please leave us a star rating, a review, or a comment. And we hope you'll tune in again next week to Ed Curation, where we're reshaping learning. <music>